0: Hi, and welcome to Definitely Human. This is your host, Katie Pelletier. I would love to thank Halo 613 for leaving this incredibly kind review on Apple Podcasts. Quote, one of the best podcasts I have ever listened to. Raw, funny, great questions, learned so much. Thank you again for your generous words. This week, we conclude our three part series with Johnny Corsi's interview. Last episode, we talked in depth about how mental health accounts for his father's actions his relationship with his mother, and the accessibility of mental health resources. This week, we dive into the deeply controversial subjects of recreational drugs and the ideology of anarchy. Please note that this episode contains graphic descriptions of drug use and police violence. Hi, Johnny, welcome back to Definitely Human.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for coming back. So, I have to say what we're gonna discuss in this episode is really out of my element. Um, sure. <laughs> so, please be patient for any wording or just kind of cliches, I might say, because this is not in my realm of things that I know about. I did do a little research, but again, with your experience and um, all the research that you do, i'm I'm really quite a novice. so, please forgive me
1: for <laughs> no problem. That's all right. It's good. It's good to talk right. about. It. Yeah, we're learning things.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Um, so the first thing I wanted to discuss is kind of your view about drugs, um, which I'm sure, as you know, is a very touchy subject for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I don't often see a spectrum on it. It's usually people are like completely against them or the completely, um, and maybe you feel differently. I don't know, do you feel like there's a spectrum?
1: Uh, I think I do fall towards the completely for them, but I do like put a lot of caveats on it. I do think um, they're wonderful tools and can be extremely useful, but I also think like they're not for everybody um, and should be taken seriously. Mm. Um, I don't think everybody should just like be willy-nilly about them, but I think they should, at least explore the subject and, and think about it
0: how were you introduced to drugs were you introduced to drugs as a teenager or
1: um i think i was like i think i was like 12 the first time i smoked marijuana and drank alcohol wow. um like 12 amazing. or 13 i was pretty young um which that's one of those things i i don't recommend uh like if my kid starts doing drugs when he's 12 i would be really mad um not necessarily gonna like uh, flip out and severely punish him for it because that wouldn't have worked on me. It's not going to work on him, but I don't, I would prefer that he didn't. We would we sh- definitely have a very honest conversation about it if I found out. But, um, yeah, that, I mean, my introduction, I don't remember like the first time specifically, uh, as you might expect, it's all a little blurry, but yeah, I was probably about that age. There were a couple different instances that might be my first time, like drinking and smoking at a party. Uh, I like smoked with this uh, kid in my neighborhood. Uh, I like bought weed from a friend's older brother and we like, <laughs> we like didn't even know how to do it. Like we didn't, <laughs> we like didn't understand like how to smoke weed. We like knew that you could like roll it in paper, but we, we tried to use like printer paper and it was terrible. Oh no. <laughs> just, just like the rookie mistakes of being a child and trying to do drugs is not, I don't, recommend that, that is,
0: is there like a really good kind of paper that you use i honestly i don't even know
1: uh, i just rolling papers like they're specifically for smoking they're super thin i think is the main difference uh whereas printer paper like is actually pretty thick mm-hmm. so when we smoked it we were it was super harsh so we just like coughed our lungs out for an extended period of time
0: there was, was no filter pretty- to it you mean yeah well I don't even know
1: if it really like worked well because like most of what you're smoking is paper uh so most of like the smoke that you're getting is just paper smoke
0: that is the most 12 year old thing I've ever heard
1: (laughs) (laughs) it was really bad yeah so we did like didn't know about papers and we didn't know like how to make a like homemade pipe yet or anything we wouldn't figure that out for another couple of years so it was uh it was pretty brutal there at first do not recommend
0: why either you, being that
1: old or do, being that stupid about it.
0: Why did you initially try it? Did you try it out of curiosity or
1: just you um, it there? It's probably a combination of things like social pressure and like people being around me and doing it. But also, yeah, I'm, I'm a genuinely pretty curious person. Um, and like, I don't think I knew it at the time. But I definitely do know now that I'm very curious about my my internal like sort of like brain chemistry and like how I think and feel and why I think I feel and feel the way that I do. And drugs are kind of a way to explore that. I don't yeah. know that I knew that at the time, but I definitely know that now. Yeah. Um, and I think that was also part part of the, the motivation to try them. Uh, it was like a, a form of self-exploration. And it was also just fun. Like, I'm not going to lie. I just was just enjoying it um that's why i kept doing them uh, because they're they're fun uh they are enjoyable as long as you're pretty responsible
0: yeah can you just give us an idea of your basic view on drugs overall
1: uh yeah i think i think they are unfairly stigmatized and we are way more afraid of them than we should be uh we should treat them with caution and we should be responsible but I think most people uh, should do drugs. Uh, most adults should be at least sometimes doing drugs, and they do. Uh, we don't always call it that. Um, some people drink, but I think alcohol is kind of a not. It's not the best drug in the world, and it's it's not very good for you. It makes it's implied in lots of domestic violence and suicides and all kinds of things. And there are other drugs out there that we could be doing to make ourselves feel good or to learn more things about ourselves or to improve our relationships, um, improve our mental health uh, that we could be using. And because they're mostly illegal, we can't. And it hasn't always been that way. Some of these drugs used to be more legal than they are now. MDMA, for example, uh, or ecstasy or whatever you want to call it was used in like couples therapy at one point which makes sense really it makes you very lovey and makes you makes you feel lots of empathy so like if you're having a hard time empathizing Mm -hmm. with your partner if you do some mdma together and do some talk therapy some couples therapy that could help um that definitely makes sense to me i haven't used it for that but it makes sense to me that that's what you would use it for uh we've used some of the classic psychedelics lsd uh for example to treat ironically enough, addiction, uh, substance abuse issues. Um, And that's part of, I didn't use it for that, but that was one of the things that LSD helped me with uh, as a young person. We could be using drugs to improve our lives and there are legal and social barriers stopping us. And I don't think that's right. Um, And I also don't think anyone should be in prison just for using them. And most of the people even distributing them should also probably not be in prison. I mean, a lot of them are selling to fund their own habit or because they don't have any other economic means to survive. Those people also probably shouldn't be in prison. Um, I think, think drugs are incredibly valuable. Um, and we don't, we don't use them properly. And we don't take them seriously as uh, tools for self-improvement or as tools for health. Uh, We see them as just recreational and there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's fine to just do recreational drugs. I don't have a problem with it, but um, they are more than that. They are more than uh, something to get messed up on on the weekends. They're more than something that addicts on the streets do. They're they're useful things that we could really benefit from by having a serious adult conversation about how useful and safe they are.
0: Why do you think this country specifically is so against them
1: um you could maybe trace it back to the puritans like having weird ideas about uh fun i guess for lack of a better word uh they were real serious about thin and uh indulgences and that sort of thing i mean they kind of got kicked out of england because they were annoying about it uh really
0: was that part of the reason (laughs)
1: Yeah, no one really wanted them around anymore. People thought they were nuts. Uh, I mean, yeah, they were also being persecuted for religious reasons, which is wrong. But, Get out
0: like, of here! We want to do our drugs.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, we like we want to like have sex and like drink and have fun and like uh, have enjoyable lives. And you, you guys are a bunch of buzzkills. Get yeah. out. Uh, I mean, maybe they didn't phrase it that way, but that is sort of the vibe.
0: It was exactly um, that way.
1: <laughs> but uh, I think. Uh, that's part of it i also think uh it has been a really convenient political tool to criminalize Mm. certain kinds of drugs uh the war on drugs was largely specifically designed to target like quote-unquote black identity extremists like people in the panthers and stuff like that and so that was under
0: was it under uh nixon nixon excuse me sorry
1: uh sort of started well they all That's the fun thing, is that almost every president has escalated the war on drugs in some capacity for the last uh, few decades. So you can go all the way back to the 60s, and and it's a thing. So it's None of them have been good about it, in my opinion. Uh, And none of them probably will be good about it, I don't think. In our current political climate, I don't think it's even possible to be uh, as progressive about it as you should be. I mean, even like Someone like Bernie Sanders was talking about decriminalizing and stuff like that, or even legalizing and taxing marijuana, but like just marijuana—that's it. It's uh, not a, not nearly far enough, in my opinion. So I, I think it has been politically convenient to criminalize and demonize certain groups of people based on the drugs that they use or allegedly use. I think that that is sort of the main factor. And then now that they are criminalized, how do you take? The money away from the prisons and the police you know that's their cash cow is drug users so how are you going to take that away if they can't justify budgets these enormous bloated budgets with arresting drug users and drug manufacturers and drug distributors and etc cetera, etc cetera, on all and prosecuting all the crimes associated with drug use then what are they for and the answer is kind of nothing we don't we don't need Uh, as many prisons as we have we don't need as many police as we have if you take away the war on drugs and they know that so they have lobbied to keep these things illegal and to keep these things at the margins of society on purpose that doesn't mean that it's it's like some sort of evil conspiracy that there's like guys in rooms twirling mustaches Mm -hmm. but i think it's in their self-interest to keep these things illegal and they will stay illegal until that changes
0: do you think it should be illegal in all circumstances because i guess some things that make me nervous is um for example like addiction like high highly addictive substances like heroin mm. like something like that like the opioid crisis we have so many people dying from it
1: a lot of that was started through the legal use of prescription opioids i mean mm. it wasn't the illicit heroin trade that started the opioid crisis it was the pharmaceutical company that developed Oxycontin, lying about it, lying about how addictive it was, lying about its effectiveness over time, uh, lying to doctors and lying to patients and lobbying to make these drugs more accessible to people in a way that I don't think was responsible. Um, Mm. You used to have to go to a pain clinic to get these kinds of drugs and like see a pain specialist. And now you don't, you can go to your uh, your family doctor and get prescribed these things. Now, obviously there's been pushback on that lately. So like your family doctor might not do that for you anymore. But there was a period where that was a thing. You oh, can yeah. just go to your doctor and say like, I hurt. And then they'd be like, here's a hundred Oxycontin. Don't take them all at once. Um, I've heard stories of people who like had previous opiate problems who like threw their back out and went to the doctor for it. And they got a hundred Percocet.
0: Oh like, my gosh! If you gave
1: me a hundred Percocet and then told me that they're not addictive and it's not a problem, what do you think I'm going to do with a hundred Percocet? I'm going right. to take them all,
0: like
1: not all at once, but I'm going to take them more than I probably should, and I'm going to develop some sort of problem. So, like that's what caused the opioid crisis: um, is greed from private corporations and dishonesty on their part. I don't think that the users are then responsible. And I don't think that locking them up helps. It can sometimes. There are people who like go to prison for possession or go to prison for a crime related to their addiction and they get the help they need while they're locked up and they get out and they're fine. That does happen, but a lot of the time uh, because our prison system it doesn't actually rehabilitate people for the most part, they go to prison they either find a way to keep doing drugs in prison or they do manage to get clean because they have to. And then they get out and the first thing they do is they go get high because they missed it and they didn't get a help, get the help they needed. On top of that, there's no support for them out of prison. A lot of the time they just get let out and maybe they're in a halfway home or something like that, but drug treatment help isn't always part of that equation. And even when it is, a lot of time it's not very good Right. Um, it's something like a 12-step program that doesn't work for everybody. has a pretty low success rate. We, we aren't helping them the way that we should, and I don't think prison is helpful. These are people who have real problems. And, th- and there are also people who start these drugs uh, because they genuinely need them. Um, they are in enormous amounts of pain, or uh, there are some people who say that like their opiate use has fixed their Uh, crippling anxiety problems and stuff like that and so like there is some other medical thing happening that the justice system isn't accounting for and doesn't care about and throwing them in prison doesn't help that Uh, yes these drugs are bad and that doesn't mean that the people that use them should go to prison for it it doesn't help Um, at least in our current prison system i don't think that we can reform it to be where it needs to be i think um, as long as America exists as it currently does, our justice system will be terrible.
0: What I'm hearing from you is, are you saying they should legalize all drugs and leave it to the individual person to make it? To some extent,
1: yeah. Well, some places have, have effectively done this. So like Portugal is a really good example. They've decriminalized personal possession of all drugs. So if you're arrested with some heroin on you, you won't go to prison for having them heroin on you. They refer you to treatment programs. If you want to get help, they get you help. If you don't, you don't. Um, you can't make people uh, quit drugs. It's, it's not generally how it works. They have to want to stop them. And if they don't want to stop them, what does sending them to prison accomplish? It doesn't really help a lot of the time. In addition to that, if you decriminalize things, like part of the this terrifying thing about the opioid crisis is that they're, Drug that you can overdose on. It's not like marijuana where you can smoke pounds and pounds of stuff and you're probably fine. It's something that could kill you. And the introduction of fentanyl into the market doesn't help. Um, Right. If these substances are less criminalized than they are, then the supply of them can be safer and people will die less. If you have something like a safe injection site, uh, a place where you know people are using this drug, and they can be around medical professionals if something should happen. They'll overdose less. If they feel safe in those places, they will go to them. They will use them. There's no reason that we should just let... I mean, I, I, I sometimes feel like there's an attitude that if they overdose, it's not a big deal. Uh, they chose to do the drugs. Who cares? Right. And I think that's not only kind of a terrible way to see other human beings, but it's also just... Right you're not going to stop the overdoses then. Yes. Like if you're not willing to do anything about it, if you're not going to help people get clean or get safe drugs until they get clean, then they're just going to keep dying. And if you don't care about that, there's nothing I can do to convince you otherwise. If you, if it, if that doesn't bother you, then, then we're on different pages entirely. But uh, if it does bother you, then the only thing that makes sense is to make sure that the drugs are clean to make sure that they can use them safely and to make sure that there's help available.
0: See, that's interesting for you to say that because I, a while back, I saw a documentary and this was about alcohol, but it was the same kind of concept. And there was this revolutionary program in California and they had to really fight um, for the funds and the government to allow this. But the basic idea was that homeless alcoholics, if they were given a home and a, a very consistent home where they didn't have to worry about rent. And they could also have a certain amount of alcohol to keep their addiction from putting them through withdrawal that eventually mm-hmm. they would give it up by themselves. Mm-hmm. So they gave these people rooms. It was kind of like a hotel. And every time they were due for their alcohol, they would get it from a dis- distributor in the hotel. So like, say like you needed like four beers to keep yourself from going from withdrawal. So you would get mm-hmm. that. And they started seeing that a lot of people after several months of feeling like they didn't have to worry about their home anymore. They didn't have to worry about the source. They, they felt very safe. They stopped drinking by themselves. Right. right. Um, which um, to me was just maybe like- Maybe part blowing. of why they're
1: drinking is the insecurity.
0: Right. Maybe part and of
1: why they're leaning on this drug is because they live in an environment that criminalizes them that makes it hard for them to just exist.
0: Right. And it it seemed like it was such a connection between the psychology of it and the actual addiction of it. And it made me wonder why aren't they pursuing more programs with, with this when they had so much success? So why do you think the government doesn't often go for programs that kind of encourage that kind of mentality and they go for more of like, uh, I don't know. It just punishment. always
1: seems like a yeah, punishment. <laughs> uh, I think America has a punishment problem. I think people love seeing people get punished in this country. Mm-hmm. I don't. Maybe it's like this in other parts of the world. I I haven't spent any time outside of the U.S., so I don't know. But we really like to see people get what we think is the punishment they deserve. Like we love. Like how many videos are there of like a guy? Uh, you know, he goes to rob a convenience store and the cashier pulls a gun on him, and haha, that's what you get.
0: Right. Or,
1: um, like these kinds of things like a guy driving poorly and somebody puts him in his place. I just think we really enjoy seeing people get hurt because we think it's justified. And I don't know exactly where that comes from. I don't know if that's like puritanical leftovers and we like love punishing people for their sins or. We are just glad it's not us. I don't know exactly where that comes from, but I think it's a huge problem. I was talking to a coworker the other day about um apparently, I, I don't know if any of this is true, but this is just what he was telling me. That the the one of the guys involved in the Boston Marathon bombing has been getting tons and tons and tons of threats while he's in prison, as you might imagine, of course he would. Um, and he doesn't feel safe, and he feels like the prison isn't doing enough to protect him. And my coworker is basically telling me the story as if like it's absurd of him to expect the prison to protect his life. Mm. But like that's what it's for. Like he, but yes, the Boston Marathon bombing is a horrific, horrific thing to have done. It's terrible. No one could possibly say anything otherwise. In my opinion, it's awful. But that guy still has rights. He's still a human being. He has rights, not only like as defined by our constitution, but most of us tend to think that people have some sort of natural rights, rights. That's like what our constitution is supposedly supposed to be based on. They're supposed to be inalienable, given to us by God or however you want to call it. And this coworker of mine expected this guy to just get murdered in prison and that's fine not how our justice system is supposed to work he does still have rights those prison guards are there to protect him I think we enjoy that sort of stuff in a way that I don't think is very healthy either for us as people but also for us as a country I think it's it's deeply deeply toxic and I think we apply that to drug users if they overdose they deserve it and if they go to prison they deserve it We see this rhetoric constantly. I mean, you see it even with like Black Lives Matter stuff happening when George Floyd got killed, was murdered by the police. People said, well, he shouldn't have been doing X, Y, and Z. He deserved it. That doesn't matter. None of that matters. It doesn't matter. The the role of the police is not to execute people in the streets. That's not their job. Right. Um, He wasn't a threat. He kneeled on his neck until he died. So I think we enjoy that. And I don't know what to do about that exactly, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I think it's a, a human problem. To me, also what you're talking about, there's such a weird line with consequences versus grace. So like the consequences of taking drugs might be, for example, that you don't take care of your children correctly, but are you responsible for that You know, sin? Let's just use that word for the sake of mm. argument sin if you're an addict and can't control your addiction right so like how how do you balance that out
1: well they think that they these people who think that way think that they can control their addiction they think it's as easy as just stopping which is interesting because most people have some sort of thing in their life that they can't stop doing that they probably should stop doing I mean mine is like yeah
0: yeah mine is TikTok.
1: yeah (laughs) probably not good for you right but you just can't stop you gotta have one more hit of the tiktok you gotta have one more video the next one could be the funniest thing you've ever seen um so you gotta keep doing it it's like gambling um yeah i mean mine is sugar like i've never like i've done a bunch of different kinds of drugs in my life but i've never fiended for anything like i do with sugar and like i should probably rein that in a little bit uh from time to time but i mostly don't and A lot of people have something like that either they smoke cigarettes or they drink a little too much or they watch a little too much tv it's weird that we apply these narratives of self-control only to uh, things like addiction it's really weird it's a weird way to see how addiction works because maybe like the you have some agency over the first time you choose to do drug like a drug like heroin for example like yeah you could choose to not but after addiction has set in you're not making the same kind of rational choice that you did that first time right you just aren't anymore like you're chemically dependent and if you stop doing it you could die uh dope sickness can kill you it's usually pretty unlikely as long as you have um someone there to help you out but it can kill you withdrawal from alcohol can kill you withdrawal from benzos can kill you I don't think that that's the same as making a conscious choice it's there are such serious consequences it's like having a gun put to your head like do heroin or feel this way and maybe die it's weird that we see it as such a a, an act of free will I I don't know where that again it's one of these things I don't know where it comes from like why do we see drug use this way but we don't see a lot of the other things we do this way Um, very strange
0: I think probably part of the problem is that I feel like drugs can the consequences of taking them can be much more scary and um brutal often. And I think that's probably like eating too many donuts is not gonna necessarily, you know, not feed your children for days at a time or um, you know,
1: I mean or- probably not, but I mean like obesity kills more people than like obesity related illness kills more people than drugs do. That's so, I mean, true. You know, it is a huge thing. And that well and alcohol, I mean part of that is because more people use it, obviously. But I mean, alcohol kills way more people than right. most illegal drugs do. So it's interesting. Again, like we don't see that as the same thing. Well, and even like there are plenty of people who are functional alcoholics who live their life day to day. Oh yeah. But if you imagine oh, yeah. for a second that there could be like a functional cocaine addict,
0: people mm-hmm. are like,
1: "That's weird." There's no way it's cocaine. Those people are around though. Those people do. Oh Is yeah.
0: It, they're politicians. Uh, they're lawyers. Yeah. They're doctors. Yeah, they're
1: probably your boss.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: Yeah, they're around. So it's, we don't think of it that way, but it is, it is a thing.
0: Yeah. That, you know, and maybe that's part of the issue is that, again, I'm kind of glad that we're in such opposite ends of the spectrum with experience with this, because for me, when I think of drugs, I think, oh man, the cartels, you know, handing it out to them and like, they're going to go to a hotel room and get shot. Like, it's not so much like, um, oh, it's like a dad and his like, Backyard smoking a joint, like I don't, my mind doesn't go to that first, personally. Right,
1: right. Well, I will say uh, the cocaine trade is awful, and you should maybe you feel bad about it. Yeah. (laughs) Um. But uh, well, that probably goes for a lot of the more serious drugs, also. The 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 drugs. that's interesting. So talk
0: talk about that. Why why do you feel strongly about cocaine in that way versus other drugs?
1: Uh, I mean, it does apply to the other like quote unquote harder drugs. Um, anything that's like has a high enough street value that you can sell for a lot of money and get rich. More well, rich is a strong word maybe for a lot of folks, but m- anything you can make money selling on the streets, there will then also be a huge black market around it. And that's, I mean, that's another thing that you can solve through decriminalizing and regulating supply, is if the cartels aren't selling us cocaine anymore, and we take that enormous revenue stream from them that takes some of their power away and takes some Mm. of their incentive to do violence away. Now, I think obviously cartels are smart and they will find some other way to make money. Um, But is it going to be like cocaine? I seriously doubt it. Um, Is it going to be like heroin? No way. I mean, they will find other things, other illegal things to do to make their money, but I just can't imagine it being even close to the illegal drug trade in terms of finances. And then because it's so much money, you have so much incentive to do awful things. I mean, cartels uh, with the help of Mexican federal police have like slaughtered college kids on buses just to make a point, Uh, these kinds of things. So like if that massive financial incentive isn't there anymore, you can start to slow that down. It It won't go away. Right. But it will slow down. I mean, even in places with legal marijuana, there is still to some degree a black market for marijuana, but it's not even close to what it used to be.
0: Why did you did did you always feel this way? Or did you start to feel this way after um you got into adulthood? Or like did your parents have this feel?
1: Uh no. I mean, they were definitely like, I mean, my dad was a police officer, and my mother, right. I think. Like smoked weed when she was a kid and stuff like that but she definitely has a pretty judgmental opinion of of quote-unquote hard drug users like i've heard her say some pretty disparaging things about uh, junkies before and stuff like that so no i didn't didn't get it from them i just like i used them and like all the stuff i heard about in dare turned out to mostly be lies Uh, like i I smoked weed and my life didn't fall apart it fell apart for Plenty of other reasons, but the weed didn't really have anything to do with it. If anything, it helped me get through it. Also, like as I got a little older in my like early 20s and I started experimenting a little bit more, I started to realize like everything I learned about these drugs was also not true. And they actually are beneficial to me in a way that I didn't think was even possible. I assumed something like LSD was like, oh, you, you eat acid and you just freak out for like a whole day. And that was sort of like the narrative was that it like it just makes you crazy for a while and then it wears off and you regret everything that happened or you don't remember it or whatever. And that's not really how it works. Um, the first couple times I did LSD, I like started taking a serious look at uh, my life, uh, my place in the world, what sort of person I wanted to be. Yeah. I thought a lot about drugs, actually, and like my relationship with them. I was drinking a lot at the time helped me realize like maybe I should slow that down I actually don't like it that much um I'm mostly doing it out of like a, some sort of weird perceived social obligation like everybody else is drinking so I have to I actually don't like alcohol that much is what I really. I don't
0: either it's not very thank fun. you it no I kind of I kind of think the taste is awful <laughs> I, I never...
1: just that like just being drunk is like not
0: it's, it's not, not a good not, feeling yeah, yeah
1: um yeah it's it's uh, it's not actually that fun it, it has a place I mean I'll have a few drinks here and there I mostly laid off of drinking for a while after that because I was like this sucks like I don't want to be like that like that's that's not who I want to be I don't want to be the guy who like made an ass of himself the night before and doesn't remember and has to worry about it mm-hmm. like, that's not how I want to live my adult life that sucks yeah um and like maybe I would have come to that conclusion eventually but, I came to that conclusion after like a couple of really intense acid trips and got that part of my life over with pretty quickly it might have happened like in my 30s you know what I mean like eventually or if like when I had kids and stuff like that but it happened fast it was pretty quick which yeah. I think is beneficial
0: yeah and we see that in a lot of cultures in fact yeah. I, I uh, one of my Students. So I'm a, a vocal and piano teacher during the day. This is my fun, my hobby job. And yeah. her father went to, I believe it was Mexico um, mm-hmm. where his brother was involved with some na- like um, a natal, a native tribal group there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he was put into the ceremony where you, t- I forget, you probably know the drug name. It was unusual, it, it was like an LSD drug Mm -hmm. are you familiar with this at all
1: uh it might have been peyote yes yes, peyote. that's
0: it um and he said first he got so sick
1: yeah (laughs) like he never
0: yeah he said like i on he's like at first i thought i was gonna die and then he he went there during a time in his life where he felt just really stuck Mm -hmm. and um in a bad place and he said after the ceremony several days in he just had several revelations about his life that he felt he couldn't have had without uh, would you call it a stimulant i'm not even really sure what you would call
1: uh, it hallucinogen i mean hallucinogen, it's also kind yeah. of a stimulant i think but yeah
0: and that actually started me to think that it's kind of sad that we, like you were saying we don't use it for different health purposes because why not like why not speed up the process of of getting a revelation in your life like maybe he would have gotten that but maybe it would have been 15 years down the line you know like
1: yeah how much harm could have happened between now and then yeah um yeah well how much suffering did he avoid by hustling that process along yeah yeah i I see it a lot of the time that it feels like a few years worth of therapy in a 12-hour span and that's really cool
0: and it happens in mad men too have you ever watched that movie i mean um tv Uh. series
1: yeah i don't remember if i saw that part i know that it happens but i don't remember
0: his uh his boss like gets involved with that younger girl and they all do lsd together and he like has this revelation about his whole life and then ends up with the french chick.
1: yeah he's like oh yeah i'm a huge piece of shit actually yeah (laughs) yeah well and that's a useful revelation to have like oh wow i'm actually a predatory awful person um, and I can stop at any time. I cannot be that. I can make it a conscious choice to be a better person. Yeah, right. it's it's incredibly powerful. I mean, and again, like I'm not saying everybody listening to this podcast should run out and buy LSD or run out and buy peyote and do it. You should definitely like do some research, make sure you're not taking certain kinds of medication when you do it, make sure you're in a safe, uh, comfortable environment and stuff like that. Make sure that what you're getting is what it's supposed to be. You can buy test kits on the internet. But yeah, well, and what's interesting too is that it hasn't always been this way. Peyote is from a uh, cactus that grows and it's illegal in America unless you belong to certain uh, denominations of indigenous religious worship. Mm. I don't know exactly how it works, but for some of them, the cultivation of uh, peyote is legal because they use it in certain religious ceremonies. Interesting if they've been doing that for God knows however many thousands of years, right? Like why are we so terrified of it? Um, I don't know exactly what schedule peyote is on, but LSD is schedule one, I think, which is like the same schedule as uh, heroin. Like that's crazy. Wow. How is like, how does that even make sense? It's not habit forming, it, you can't overdose on it. It's yeah, I don't, It's our view of them is so out of whack with reality. That I feel like there's a ton of work to do, and we're some people are doing that. I mean, uh, mushrooms are being decriminalized in a few places. Uh, I think it was Portland or something decriminalized um, all drugs under a certain amount. So, we are making some progress, but I think we need to do a little better, uh, just as a country as a whole, instead of relying on these uh, small places like i think dc was one of the ones that decriminalized mushrooms like instead of waiting for places like that to do the radical thing like we can do that as a country there's no reason why not they did it and the world didn't end uh, all these places have legal weed and the world didn't end let's move this along like we should also be cautious we shouldn't just like start doing drugs immediately but we should um stop throwing people in prison for them at least that's the first step and then we can also deschedule them or reschedule them at least and actually do research with them, uh, which is also starting to happen. There's some uh, research with like MDMA and PTSD. Uh, There's a lot of promising stuff happening. Ketamine and depression is a thing. Uh, I don't really know how that works. I've heard about it and it's fascinating, but I don't really understand it. We're getting there, but we could be, be doing a whole lot better.
0: So overall, what do you think then is the greatest benefit you've had from drugs?
1: I was always uh, self-reflective, but I think they have like kicked that up to 11 in a way that's really beneficial. Uh, I had a LSE at home one time by myself. That was how I usually did these drugs, Uh, was alone. And that's part of why I had these sorts of experiences. But I remember I took a shower and time breaks down when you do psychedelics, it gets real weird. I don't know how long I was in the shower it was probably quite some time but I remember trying to I have a good friend of mine I was trying to think so like he grew up pretty close to where I grew up and I was trying to think about like what specific things about his life like what individual events were different that made him him and what about my life made me me like why are we different people and I just I had to like do the math on that basically <laughs> which was very hard to do. And obviously I didn't get there, but like just thinking about it was a really enlightening experience. I mean, thinking about what makes another person, a different person, why is someone the way that they are? Why are they not me? Why do they see the world differently? Why do they have these uh, neuroses or anxieties or whatever it might be? Why are we different? And it, these drugs helped me think that way and put my head in a different space for a period that i think really helped me i think it helped me see other people differently than i did which is incredibly helpful
0: what i feel like part of the reason america maybe is so adamant against drugs is we're not a very spiritual culture mm-hmm. you know what i mean like that's very yes. <laughs> like i would say a lot of people would think like oh we're very christian i mean whatever that means but only
1: aesthetically
0: yeah aesthetically (laughs) is the way to put it because i um i wouldn't necessarily consider us a very reflective culture in a lot of ways um we're often very superficial um so i almost wonder if that's part of it too like we don't really see the importance of those things that you're describing
1: yeah i think that's Um, definitely part of it um we don't uh we're not great at looking inward in general as a society and maybe again maybe most places are like that but i know here it's it's a huge problem and i think we could do better and i think drugs would help us do better
0: so just to be the devil's advocate what's the greatest negative effect of drugs in your life
1: um drinking too much was probably a not good uh, there was that um and just mostly most of the consequences there weren't super severe i didn't get like i think mean, it could have been i could have been arrested a bunch of times i could have been uh i could have like gone in fights and stuff that didn't happen thank god and like i could have been seriously hurt um i could have been died in drunk driving accidents on many occasions and that didn't happen which is great uh that those are like most of the negatives were actually from alcohol for me and then maybe that's part of why i see drugs the way that i do is because yeah. the other like illegal things have mostly been positive for me i mean i honestly can't imagine them not being that i mean they've been great for me that's not to say that they are for everyone but they for me they've been overwhelmingly positive and alcohol was it, you know i had fun sometimes but i didn't have to have alcohol to have that fun i probably could have had it anyway and i probably could have had it with a better, uh, more refined, less uh, obnoxious drug probably would have helped if like, if I felt the need, if I was gonna be on something, there were a thousand things I could have been on that would have been better.
0: Do you think that if you were addicted to an illegal substance that you would have had more negative experiences?
1: Uh, Probably, Um, but I did uh, definitely like fly pretty close to the sun there a couple of times. many years ago in my early 20s. Uh, I was using some like amphetamines and stuff like that, things that definitely can be habit forming. I've dabbled a little bit in the opioids uh, back then. So like I definitely leaned like I could have gone down that road. So I do think about um, what would have happened. But I think part of why I didn't go down that road, I am like weirdly obsessive about how I use these substances. And so I would like research the hell out of them and think about how, like, what should the intervals between use be to avoid these problems? Like how, like, what should I do between them? Like if I wanted to be on, like, for example, if I wanted to be on drugs every day, I could do this drug Monday, this drug Tuesday, this drug Wednesday. And like, if they're all doing different things to my brain, it's less likely that I'll, that I'll become addicted to them individually. Mm. uh, If that makes sense. So I was just very careful and I think you had a um,
0: drug schedule
1: yeah I did uh, but I think um if we took drugs seriously and talked about them like grown-ups instead of just scaring our children into not taking them
0: mm-hmm.
1: lots of people could have drug schedules uh and like I stopped doing that not um because I was like having problems but I just didn't really want to do it anymore uh, I just sort of grew out of uh, a lot of those things and just like, didn't want to do them anymore. Maybe that's just getting older. Maybe the novelty of it wore off. I don't know. But, but I think because I had done the homework and because I had uh, gone around uh, the edu- the myth education that I had been given, I avoided that problem. And I think lots of people could. So like if, if if the guy who threw his back out and was given 100 Percocet had been given an actual honest conversation about what these drugs would do, Right, maybe they wouldn't have ended up uh, snorting them. You know what I mean? Like if they had actually taken it seriously, maybe that's not what would have happened. And if the doctor had also taken it seriously, that wouldn't have happened. And if the pharmaceutical company had taken it seriously, maybe that wouldn't have happened.
0: Yeah, I actually, I every time you keep talking about scaring your kids into not taking illegal drugs, I keep thinking about that D.A.R.E. commercial where she takes the pan Right, at the egg. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. this it smashes one.
1: the egg on the thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm going to look it up right now, and then we're going to play it, um, so people can really enjoy. This is your brain. And this is heroin. This is what happens to your brain after snorting heroin. And
1: this is what your body goes through.
0: Wait. It's not over yet.
1: This is what your family goes through! And friends! your
0: mine! And dropped, and you back to the future! And your life. Any questions?
1: Yeah, that's just not- that's not true. That's not fair. Heroin probably feels great. What are you talking about, lady? Like, I've never done it, but I bet if you snort heroin it feels real good. It's not like having your egg smashed. Uh, stop lying be honest yeah it can be dangerous but it isn't we don't have to be that um scary about it
0: yeah do you feel like that actually caused um the opposite reaction and kind of made it seem like more interesting because it seems so dangerous
1: i think that definitely happens to people um for me though it was really just like i that was um a really common way to talk about drugs back then, like back mm-hmm. when I was a teenager, was like, oh, if you if you smoke weed one time, the devil will take your soul. And like, maybe not that, but it was it was ridiculous. And then like I did them, like you know, I, I smoked a joint and nothing bad happened. And True. the only possible bad things that could have happened are because it's illegal. So it started to just be like, what, why? Why is this a crime? Like the only bad thing that could happen for me smoking weed was that I could go to jail. So why don't you just make it so I don't go to jail, and then it's fine. Do um, you
0: not not believe in gateway drugs? Then do you think that's a thing, or just rhetoric? Really.
1: Yeah, I think it's just rhetoric. I mean, they say like, oh, the uh, if you survey heroin addicts, most of them smoked weed first, but like most people smoke weed like of course most of them smoke weed first like of course why, why wouldn't they one if you're gonna end up doing heroin and you have a drug dealer uh, because you smoke weed well isn't that convenient it's illegal mm-hmm. because they're both illegal the guy selling the one might sell the other and or at least know a guy who does so that doesn't that work out nicely whereas they're legal drugs and that you can acquire them through uh non-sketchy channels maybe that doesn't happen anymore maybe you're exposed to it definitely something to consider
0: so if you feel comfortable I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about um some experiences you had while while high but I love those kind of stories so I would love to know your weirdest your scariest (laughs) the best one and the most healing one
1: um. Uh, hmm.
0: Well, we could go one by one. I know it's a big list.
1: Sure. Uh, yeah. The the weirdest uh drug experience was the first time I did mushrooms. I ate what was a pretty substantial dose of them. Um, I was confident that I was gonna have a good time, so I wasn't that worried about it. One thing that will heavily influence your experience with psychedelics is your mindset going into them. So, like, I just wanted to have fun. So that's what ended up happening. I just wanted to get weird, and so I was comfortable with that uh instead of like being afraid of it the weirdest part of it was um the time dilation stuff was something I'd never experienced like I'd smoked weed and stuff like that I'd even like hallucinated a little bit if you get high enough so I was like comfortable with all that stuff but the time stuff was very weird like I was um doing them with some other people and they were on a path like a footpath in the woods to me it seemed like I had stopped walking for like a few seconds and they Wait! wait, wait gotten way wait. ahead of me.
0: Wait, 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 wait. You were doing this drug with other people and you guys were having the same halluc- hallucination?
1: That definitely also happens. But no, I what? was...
0: Um, not, uh,
1: yeah, sometimes that does happen. People will see what, the same
0: what? things. Is that another dimension? Uh, um, oh my God, I'm <laughs> thinking
1: <laughs> It could be. I don't know. People have theories about why that happens. What are the theories? Uh, so there are theories about certain drugs uh, sort of unifying your headspace. Like if you do them with someone else, you have the same experience. And there are theories about like why, that it's the drugs, that it, has, that it says more about our brain chemistry than anything else, that like people are mostly kind of the same. So of course they have the same experience. There are spiritual theories about like ayahuasca being a spirit. And that when you ingest this spirit, ayahuasca is talking to all of you. There are wild and I think super interesting theories about mushrooms. So there's a theory that mushrooms are like an alien intelligence that has evolved itself to make us trip so that it can communicate with us and and experience our reality.
0: All right, choose that, that one. I like that one the best.
1: I like it. It's really cool. I don't know if it's true. I don't really care, but it's really cool. That, yeah, that that the mushroom just wants to see and feel through your body and experience things as you experience them and show you things uh, from its perspective, which is fascinating. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if any of that stuff is true, but it's cool. Um, but, yeah, I was, they were walking in front of me. I was, like, tailing the group. I thought I was right behind them, and I thought I had stopped to look up at the stars for, like, A few seconds but when i look back down the path it's they're like a hundred yards ahead of me like they are so far away and i'm just like holy shit like how long have i been standing here and they had stopped and they're like hollering at me to catch up and then i didn't run or anything i just walked to catch up but it felt like i did it almost instantaneously It felt like I went from where I was standing to where they were standing in just a few seconds, which can't be true. Like, there's, I'm chubby, I don't move that quick. That was pretty weird. The time dilation stuff is very, very weird. You don't know how long time has passed. Like, I listen to music sometimes, and I would uh, realize that I would think that it's been hours, but only one song has played. Uh, That kind of stuff is very weird to me the time stuff because like the hallucinating stuff you can just like rationalize it you can just say like well it's just i'm just seeing things that aren't there which happens to everybody like you do see things you know at night you might see something that's not there shadow might look weird or spooky or whatever um that happens constantly but like time usually is pretty steady for us we usually have a pretty good grasp on it even if it's not always constant but on psychedelics it gets real weird that's
0: fascinating that's yeah. really fascinating.
1: Yeah, but I, um, I have learned to enjoy that. It doesn't freak me out. I I think it's part of the, the experience.
0: Yeah. Now, now I'm thinking, like, is that just your brain messing up because it's in this different kind of like wavelength, or are you in a dimension?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: What, <laughs> what is like, actually it happening? Doesn't exist. Yeah. What is happening?
1: <laughs> yeah. Why is that a thing? I don't know.
0: Yeah. And cool. If you yeah i'm sure you've seen it like if you look at an um an mri of a brain when it's on something like shrooms like so much of the brain is lit up compared to when we normally use our brains yeah um so who knows i mean we only use four percent of our brains and if the even if it's like 20 percent more from the drug that is a lot more of our brains that we never use at the same time
1: it lights up parts of the brain that are usually only lit up during dreaming it does a lot of weird things Mm -hmm. yeah
0: very cool all right so what's your scariest experience then
1: um i bet it's an alcohol story that i don't remember very well i don't know actually most of my stuff with like uh like recreational drugs that i've done are positive i don't remember i've never had like a quote-unquote bad trip uh i did um do some speed and like get very drunk at a um like a bar club thing one time and like kind of thought I was going (laughs) to die.
0: Why? why? Because your heart was racing?
1: Yeah, my heart was doing some weird stuff or at least I thought it was. I don't know if it actually was. Don't mix your drugs, kid. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Not a good idea. Don't do stimulants and depressants at the same time unless you really know what you're doing because it does weird stuff to your body uh and well and stimulants can produce anxiety on their own so like right uh i think i was just like having maybe i was having a minor panic attack and uh, couldn't really articulate that but i was having a very bad time but it worked out i i got it out of my system and and when i thought i got fresh air managed to calm myself down enough and decided to stop drinking uh which was good
0: just going back to the weirdest thing that's happened when um I did pot once <laughs> well I've done pot a couple of times but the the first time I ever did it I swear it was the craziest thing it like organized my mind mm-hmm. and I really expected the other way around yeah. I expected me to be very disoriented or like um confused right. but it it literally made me think clearer and yeah. I remember laying in bed and composing a whole song. Like I could literally, I could see the words in front of my eyes. Everything was written out. And then I went to sleep and forgot the whole thing. But, I have just <laughs> it, but it was the weird, like why does that happen? Why does it, why would marijuana um, organize in mine?
1: Uh, it could be something about you um, and the way that your brain works. It could be the strain of marijuana that you smoked. Different strains will produce different effects. I mean, that happens for me sometimes. There there have been times where uh, I used it to focus. Um, you can hit like a sweet spot with a lot of drugs where it like helps you with things like creativity and focus. Um, but if you go beyond that, you just become an idiot. <laughs> um, so it's it's it depends on the person, the drug and the dose and stuff like that. So it's it's, but it can do that. I mean, it's possible that like letting your brain slow down a little bit helps you focus and helps you organize and helps you think um i've definitely had that experience like i in my time that i went to college and didn't finish uh like i wrote a lot of papers stoned and got straight a's and i'm like damn if i had done that in high school maybe maybe i would have been all right if that had been a tool i had access to not saying that high school kids should smoke weed necessarily because probably not always healthy but might have worked out for me.
0: That's so interesting. It it, it just I, I wish we were more open to that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And what was the best thing that has ever happened to you?
1: Uh, MDMA is incredible. Um, uh, some people call it ecstasy. Sometimes ecstasy it, it, term, drug terms are nebulous. Part of why I think we should like talk about them more. Sometimes people say ecstasy, and they mean pressed pills of MDMA. Sometimes they mean pressed pills of whatever uh, thing that might be kind of similar to MDMA. It's it's confusing, but MDMA floods your brain with serotonin, and not super safe to use on a regular basis. But I used it for a little while there, and like the sense of love is like almost overwhelming. Like, I mean, you have children. Like the feeling that you get when you look at them and you just feel your heart fill up, mm. uh, and you just like don't even know how to articulate it or, or like what to do about it, and it's like almost too much.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, it's like that for like five hours. Uh, wow. But you feel that way for ev- like for everyone around you and for yourself, which I think is can be incredible. I mean, I hadn't felt that much love. For probably anyone, or for myself, before and so, like doing that, uh, and realizing that, like, yeah, I'm on a drug, but my brain is capable of this much, was mm. pretty powerful. Like that, I can produce what feels like an infinite amount of love, is pretty cool.
0: I would imagine that that drug specifically might be really helpful in rehabilitation.
1: Mm-hmm. Um yeah they are using it for uh PTSD and stuff like that for um veterans specifically uh to help them uh empathize with themselves with each other with the world with the people around them when they come back uh it's it's incredibly powerful it's healing
0: do you think it would be helpful for people who um maybe people who are on the psychopath spectrum?
1: I don't know. I don't know if there's any research on that, but that would be fascinating to think about. Like if people who are um, uh, inherently having difficulty with things like empathy, if a drug could even help. I don't know. I mean, it helped me with that. Like I can't imagine rolling and like getting mad at anyone. Yeah, I, I just can't imagine feeling like you could take advantage of anyone either. Which is like a huge thing with psychopathy. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's any research on it, but it would be interesting to find out.
0: Yeah, it would. Um, and it, I think also it would be interesting to see if repeat offenders mm-hmm. might do well with something like that too, because yeah. the so much research has gone to like self-worth and how so many people who are repeat offenders really don't have any self-worth whatsoever. Yeah. Um so yeah,
1: that, yeah, that would they, be really they... fascinating. <laughs> find some way to dehumanize their victims or something like that right if it could help them to not do that to see them as people yeah it would be really fascinating and we're working on that so hopefully that continue we continue down that path and we can really start helping people
0: so i guess my last question just to wrap up the segment is if there was one thing you wish people who are anti-recreational drugs could know what would it be
1: um that people around you are probably on drugs all the time and you don't even know because they're just living their lives and doing well and maybe you shouldn't be quick to judge or demonize there are plenty of people you know that are on drugs every time you see them and you don't even realize um and that's because their life is together all of the stereotypes are stereotypes they aren't necessarily true Um, And many of the negative side effects of drug use are because it's illegal. If we didn't have that problem, many more people could be functional.
0: Well said, my friend. (laughs) Thank you. So going on, I can't wait to talk about this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm just going to let you go for it. Please, in your own words, could you describe, if you didn't have to worry about Um, who you were talking about, like if you could do your utopian phrase of how you think of yourself with political ideology, how would you describe yourself?
1: Oh man, Uh, there's so many adjectives that I could use, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna avoid those because they have so much baggage. Um, I, like the most straightforward way to put it is that I'm an anarchist, Um, and in its simplest terms, that means Um, I don't think that there should be, uh, unjust hierarchies. Uh, so capitalism is a hierarchy, an economic hierarchy. Your boss is a tyrant over your, uh, life in many ways. You cannot vote them out. Um, yes, you can get another job, but you can't vote him out either, um, Uh, Racism is a social hierarchy, uh, saying that one category of person is better than the other. Uh, Sexism, homophobia, transphobia, these are all hierarchies. Uh, And we should question all of them. And if they provide us no utility or happiness or what have you, we should get rid of them. We should take Mm -hmm. them apart and not have them anymore. And I think most of them, that is the case. There are a few real specific exceptions, like um, parent child relationships are hierarchical. You tell your kids what to do, and there's really nothing they can do about it. Um, same with like hierarchies of expertise. Uh, I forget who said it, but there's a line about um, in matters of making boots, I refer to the bootmaker, defer to the bootmaker. Like, I don't know anything about it. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I do. And his little bit of knowledge does put someone in a position of power over you, but it is what it is. There's no way that I can know everything. And I will defer to people who know more than me, even if it is still kind of hierarchical.
0: So, If you could have your choice to live any way you wanted,
1: mm-hmm. what would, would your choice,
0: like? yeah. Uh,
1: it's a good question. And like a lot of anarchists have tried to figure out what our vision globally would even be because there's that's never been a thing there's never been like a global anarchistic order it's been um empire or mercantilism or now it's capitalism and uh, democracy at various levels and stuff like that so i i don't know what the world would look like um and i'm not comfortable there are people who call themselves anarchists who like think that they want the whole world to be anarchist and like maybe that'd be cool, but I don't... I'm not comfortable with imposing that on anyone, really. Mm-hmm. Um I think that's sort of antithetical to the whole thing. So, like, uh in theory, if a bunch of people want to be, like, fascists and go live away from me and mind their own business, I don't know how much I care. As long as they're not hurting anyone, I don't know if I really care. Uh, but I think largely uh a sort of decentralized um system of communes and uh direct democracy like basically you live in your community uh your community is more or less self-sufficient and any problems that they can't solve you work with neighboring communities to solve so like Mm -hmm. if your group can't figure out how to uh produce i don't know antibiotics because you're too small and you don't have the resources, you can pull resources together to produce those things at a larger scale. Um, But like most of what human beings need, I think we could produce in much smaller communities than we do currently. Uh, You don't need global capitalism to eat. But yeah, I think, and one, and direct participatory democracy. So like, instead of voting for a guy who goes to a state house and says that he's gonna act on your behalf, you just go there yourself and you have Mm. an argument about it until you come to some sort of consensus. And that's not fun. (laughs) It's a lot of work. Um, But I think it's the fairest way to get people uh, to agree on things more or less. You come to some sort of consensus. It doesn't mean that everybody's like stoked about the decision. Everybody's excited for it, but it means it's not a deal breaker. So like no one's going to like leave or be violent because of the outcome of this conversation, that's good enough. That's consensus. Um, And I I think we should try and get to that. Now, how we do that, I don't know, I have no idea. Um, Mm -hmm. Different people have different concepts on how you make that happen. I don't know. I don't know that you can. Uh, I don't know that trying to is uh, reasonable. I don't know, but I do think it's possible at least on small scale to make it happen uh, there are small scale societies that do similar things the Zapatistas in Mexico and uh, revolutionary Rojava uh, being modern examples but it's happened in the past before in other parts of the world uh, people getting together and just making things work without uh, kings or without presidents or without uh, militaries necessarily or police for example uh just uh cooperating i think that's our natural state human beings are naturally cooperative creatures if we weren't Mm -hmm. we wouldn't be here um we would all be dead already if that weren't the case this idea that we're inherently competitive more than anything else i think is false
0: yeah that that's a really great point that we wouldn't be here if we weren't naturally cooperative
1: yeah I, i think I mean, you could put it in terms of like, are people naturally good or bad, if you want to. Um, I don't know that those are useful ways to see it, because what's good and bad changes over time, uh, and is relative to the society that you live in, Right. but we do cooperate, uh, because if we didn't, we would have just killed each other. Uh, The first couple of humans would have murdered each other in cold blood for resources, and that would be the end of it. There wouldn't be enough to continue and we're here we've been to the moon so oh. i think we're doing pretty good in terms of cooperation
0: that was a much more um positive outlook than i thought it was going to be and i'm just being like that's a pretty uh like rude thing to say in a lot of ways <laughs> but I mean, like, just because like my i've always been taught i guess that um Anarchists are very angry, mean people.
1: <laughs> we are angry. Uh like that is definitely a thing. I am very so angry. Meant,
0: at the but, state of you're, the world. but you're also a really loving, kind person um mm-hmm. who fights what they believe in. And um when I first met you, I would honestly before I knew you, I was a little scared about it. Um <laughs> I don't know if you remember like it when uh your old apartment we had that big discussion. I think you got mad at me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I might not have gotten mad at you, but I get worked up sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: it's um, natural.
1: Well, And if you're not mad, you're probably not paying attention, I will say. Right. If you're not at least a little angry and I don't know where you've been.
0: Right. No, you're completely right. Um, But after that conversation, I also took a step back and I really thought about what you said and you had a lot of incredible points. It's something else that has come up a lot and the riot on Capitol Hill has really highlighted this for me personally, is I've noticed that a lot of people on the far right spectrum um, really resonate with the term anarchy, and so does the far left. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was wondering if you could talk about that and why it seems that a lot of far right Trump supporters are really resonating with the idea of anarchy and pretty much tried to do that (laughs) a couple weeks ago and what the difference is.
1: There are a few reasons one of them is because they stole the term from us and i don't mean that like just jokingly like they literally uh i forget his name like, sort of, the guy who invented uh um libertarianism like literally stole the terminology from the left um appropriated it to use for his own shitty means like i don't know if you have ever heard of an anarcho-capitalist but like they aren't anarchists they just call themselves that They literally just aren't. You can't be an anarchist and a capitalist by definition. It's it's an oxymoron. It doesn't make any sense. Part of it is like an intentional theft of terms. And lots of those people have ended up being far right, even if they don't think of themselves that way. Even if they think they're just like libertarians or whatever, they are far right. They just don't call them. They just aren't honest about it. Or maybe they don't even realize it themselves. So that's part of it. Um, part of it too is I think there's this huge. Uh, I don't know why people think this way. I think it's uh, very stupid. But there are people who think that Trump is some sort of like outside insurrectionary force in the United States government. That like this this billionaire who's friends with Hillary Clinton, like who's been hanging out with them for decades, is somehow an outsider force like i i don't know where that i think it's really dumb unfortunately i don't know how else to explain it but i think that's stupid i think that's dumb um that doesn't mean that the people who think that are dumb it means that that particular belief of theirs is dumb um but like i heard someone explain it as like they voted for trump because they they saw it as like oh it's like uh, like i'm symbolically throwing a molotov cocktail at the white house and, like, when I heard them say that, my thought was just, like, why don't you just do that? Like, <laughs> that actually is an option. Like, actual real insurrection and overthrowing the government, like, that is actually an option. I'm, I'm not necessarily advocating for that currently. But, like, that is, a, that is a ideology and a philosophy that you could ascribe to. Why is voting – how is voting for a billionaire that at all? That I don't understand how B follows A. Um, but I think they they think that way. I don't get it. But I think they do see themselves that way. I mean, the people at the Capitol saw themselves as like an insurrection. And we should probably stop calling them that because it wasn't. Those people stood for everything this country stands for in the worst possible way. Uh, that's not an insurrection. They aren't against the status quo. They're violently for it. There's a difference. Um
0: Wow, that's powerful. This country,
1: this country is not a democracy. It never has been. It probably never will be. Saying that these people are like against democracy is true and they know it and they don't care. They hate democracy. They don't want people like me to have a voice. They don't want people like me to have opinions or the right to vote. If it was up to them, I'd be in prison. I'd be in Guantanamo Bay or I'd be dead. Um, uh, these people don't have the same principles as us, and uh, we should fight them at every opportunity. The ones who are committed, the uh, ideological leaders of movements like that, I don't think we should bother redeeming. I think we should marginalize them and um, make sure that they are as quiet as we possibly can. But the average Joe, Trump supporter, I think we um, we should just talk to them. Uh, and let them know, like, hey, actually, there is an alternative. There is, uh, like, if you actually want to disrupt the system or whatever, there are options available to you. Uh, positive change is actually possible. Um, and, and it's not going to happen through him. Um, it never will. A billionaire will never do anything nice for you. Uh, maybe they're a philanthropist. Um, but they will never make changes to the systems that put them in power. Why Why would they? But yeah, I, I think that's why it resonates with those people, but it's very strange to me. And I think people on the left should be talking to them more than they are. The left tends to be hostile and insular. And that's not without reason. There's plenty of reasons to be hostile towards uh, people like the people who stormed the Capitol. But most... Trump supporters are not those people and we should try and reach them, try and talk to them.
0: Yeah, see, I'm one of those people that has run out of patience and I hate to say that uh, because there's some people who are very dear to me Mm -hmm. who are Trump supporters, Mm -hmm. um, but I am tired of having the conversation because it feels like I'm talking to a brick wall.
1: Yeah, Um, it's exhausting.
0: It is exhausting and it's like the things that so many supporters have been willing to just sweep under the rug um like single issue voters for example I just it feels like I, I, what else could he have done for you yeah. to actually say no and it, like when the beginning of his before he even got elected he said I could shoot someone in the middle of New York Times Square and I would still get elected he was absolutely right yeah he you wasn't know, right he, Nope, he wasn't wrong. He really could have done that, and I believe he would still have gotten the support that he needed. So I, to me, I feel like, is it worth it? Like, I, I don't know. Like, what, what kind of worth do you see in them?
1: Um, I mean, I think the there are different flavors of Trump supporters. Um, so there's like a, a big narrative from liberals that Trump supporters are all like dumb, uneducated rednecks and the data on it is not super clear because it's all polling data and it's, it's not the most reliable science. But like, I don't think that's true. And there is some data to suggest that it's kind of the opposite, that a lot of these people are um, like relatively well off and they're terrified mm-hmm. to not be relatively well off. Mm -hmm. um so this is their guy the like mall business owner types i don't think we should even really bother with like if they are voting for trump cynically so that they can get tax cuts then like fuck those people those people suck you are it's in their best interest to vote for him and so they're gonna and i can't change what their best interest is there's Mm. nothing you can do about that But there are also a bunch of people who are kind of working class who voted for him. And I think a lot of them voted for him because America is like a deeply, deeply cynical place these days. And I think a lot of people don't think that anything good will ever happen from the government, that it will never do anything good. But what it can do is hurt people that I don't like. And so they voted for someone like him because he was promising that. He didn't say like, I mean, make America great again. Like he is kind of implying that things like the economy will be better and stuff like that. But like we all know that that's not true. Nobody actually thinks that he was gonna like make you not work forty hours a week. Right. Uh, we all assumed that we would just keep getting ground in, into the dust. But he's gonna lock Hillary Clinton up. That's pretty cool. And I hate her for whatever stupid conspiracy theory reason or for some legitimate reasons. I mean, she is awful. But I think the way to reach those people is to try and get them to stop thinking that hurting other people will help them, because it won't, and maybe they know that, but also that there are systems, at least in theory, there are systems we could have that would help those people. You actually could build a better society. You actually could make America great again if you really wanted to. Um, We just don't want to. Uh, Joe Biden doesn't want to either. Um, he's gonna just keep doing most of the same things that trump was doing and making them sound nicer and republicans know that and why would they vote for him when they can vote for the guy who's also going to be mean to the people that they don't like and so i think those people can be reached now how much like time and emotional energy do you personally want to dedicate to it is entirely up to you like i'm not gonna like if you want to block them all on facebook that's fine that's your business like they suck they're hard they're really hard to argue with a lot of the time they get real nasty if if that's your prerogative i think that's fine but i think in general we should be trying to reach them and trying to to help them see that like we could do better uh we don't have to have a politics based entirely around um throwing hillary clinton and antifa in prison that doesn't help it doesn't make the world better it doesn't make the country better it doesn't make your life better uh, my life would not be better if Hillary Clinton was in prison it would be funny but it wouldn't help like it wouldn't actually make my life any better at all and they're friends so I don't know why you thought that would happen anyway
0: the whole thing confuses me honestly I mean it's just it's uh.
1: yeah well oh. I think it's uh, I don't want to give Trump too much credit, but I think it's supposed to be confusing and infuriating. Right. I think it's supposed to exhaust you so right. that you stop so that you stop engaging. Right. And it sucks, but we can't let that happen.
0: So it's, when, it's a ton like, of work. Yeah, it is a ton of work and I think the normal citizen doesn't want to do it and I, like I will own up like um I'll go to a protest once in a while, you know, I'll call my Yeah. I'll call my representatives, things like that. But when it comes to real change, often I'm like, eh, because, you know, I'm a mom yeah, and a job I'm and working kids. and yeah. like, it's, it's honestly to put forth real change. It's almost like a job in itself.
1: It definitely um, is. Well, and that's not a coincidence that, I mean, part of the reason the work hour is 40 hours a week is so that we don't have time to do things like organize politically. Like, right. I don't think that's an accident. I think the fact that we're all That's an interesting idea. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like imagine if you didn't have to work for healthcare and you and you didn't have to work for somewhere to live, you didn't have to like work your ass off to put food on the table. What would you use all of that time for? Well, you'd Mm -hmm. use it for a lot of it for, you know, family and self-enrichment and stuff, but a lot of it would end up being for political organizing in ways that these people do not like. So I don't think that it's a coincidence. Again, I don't think it's like dudes in rooms twirling mustaches and being like, hey, if we can oppress the (laughs) poors, then they can't stop us. Um, But I think it works out real nice that Amazon employees have to pee in bottles uh, so that they can't talk to each other on break about unionizing. I think that's a real, that's a hell of a coincidence. And it works out really nicely for Jeff Bezos and friends.
0: Right. So one of the ways that you engage is you protest. And mm-hmm. in the beginning of Trump's presidency, you went to one of the most infamous infamous protests. So could you describe that a little bit and what the day was like and what happened? Uh,
1: sure. Um, so I went to his inauguration um, to protest. And myself and a bunch of other people met in DC. Uh, to do that, to have specifically like a leftist event, like an anti-capitalist, anti-fascist. Like we aren't stoked for Hillary Clinton. Like these aren't, we're not Hillary people mad that she lost. We're anarchists and probably communists and socialists and stuff who are mad that there's a president at all, that there even was an election for him to win, uh, that a system was in place that would allow an alleged pedophile racist monster to be the most powerful man in the world uh that sucked so we wanted to have an event protest that in it in and of itself i suppose and i wasn't involved in any of the planning uh you can find videos of that online because uh fascists infiltrated the meetings and filmed them uh but i wasn't involved in any of that kind of stuff uh i just knew some folks who were going and up until the night before I wasn't even sure if I was gonna go. Like um I kept telling Gina like, I don't know, like we live in Baltimore. I don't have a car, like it's far away and I might get arrested. But like I wasn't expecting to get like arrested, arrested. I figured I was gonna get like um criminal mischief or uh like disorderly conduct or even like a vandalism charge or something like that is what I was expecting. But that's not what happened. So uh, we started marching, and lots of property destruction happened: uh, windows smashed out, trash cans overturned, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And naturally, police showed up and managed to uh, corner all of us, and well, not all of us, but a, a large chunk of us, and arrested. I think they initially arrested over 200 people, but they didn't like in the heat of the moment. They had no way of knowing like this guy threw this brick or this person um, uh, knocked this thing over or whatever. So they just arrested 200 some people just um, on the basis that we were there. Uh, Whether people had done things or not was irrelevant at the time. They were gonna sort that all out, I guess, theoretically through uh, the quote unquote justice system. And they arrested all of us, including uh, some members of the National Lawyers Guild, I believe, and a couple of journalists
0: oh my gosh really
1: uh, yeah, yeah. just everybody who got kettled uh got arrested uh it didn't really matter um wow. but i i got like cuffed and taken away. i got pepper sprayed first oh. pepper, pepper sprayed the uh bunch of us even what was we that like right, we were already surrounded oh it sucks i was ended up in jail for like 24 hours and there's no running water or anything so i like couldn't And or soap because water probably wouldn't help anyway. There's no way to like wash it off, so it was all like on my scalp. And every time I would sweat, and it was very hot in the jail. Every time I would sweat, it would um like reactivate, and I would go through it all over again. Uh, it was great. One and then like when they would transport us, they would put us in paddy wagons to take us from place to place. So there'd be like six or eight of us or whatever in there, and a couple of us would have been pepper sprayed at some point, and so even the people next to us would have their eyes start burning and stuff uh real fun um
0: that's cruel that they didn't help you take care of that once you were i mean the whole thing is wrong but
1: yeah well you think they
0: did it on purpose
1: yeah well we were surrounded uh and they pepper sprayed people even while we were surrounded and they kept throwing um i forget what they're called but they're like a uh. It's a grenade, and when it blows up, it shoots rubber balls in all directions. They were throwing those into the crowd. Like we we're already surrounded, and they were doing this. Were you uh, scared? Uh, kind of. Yeah. Uh, I was still thinking like I was probably gonna get a ticket and go home, but uh, they um, zip tie cuffed me, read me my, my rights, took all my stuff, like cut my shoelaces off. Uh, fuck you, DC police. You the shoelaces. Uh, they Why? couldn't figure out they were too lazy to untie them so they just cut them off they take your shoelaces when you get arrested so you can't hang yourself they told us in the back of the paddy wagon that we could um bail and forfeit or something like basically you could forfeit your right to a trial say that you were guilty of whatever minor crime they were charging you with pay your bail and go home uh, they told us that that would be an option Uh, But they didn't tell us what we were actually being charged with. They wouldn't tell us what we were actually being charged with. Why? Uh, I don't think they knew. And then...
0: They're legally allowed to do that?
1: Probably not. Well, and then we get to central booking. And I got arrested pretty early on. But some people were kettled for like 12 or 14 hours or something crazy. Because it took them quite some time to arrest everybody. Because they had to do it one at a time. But uh, we get to central booking. And no one gets a phone call. And when asked uh, to speak to lawyers, we were told um, you're not going to talk to no fucking lawyers, I think was the words that they used. They give you like a slip, a piece of paper that that says like they have your property uh, when they lock you up. Um, They don't itemize it. It didn't say like what they had of mine, which is cool because it means that they could just steal my shit. But on that, It has a a little space for what you're charged with and mine just said first amendment and then other people said rioting and we were like what the hell like what is going on like what are we charged with and none of the um uh jail people would tell us uh none of them would really even talk to us at all a detective came by to try and get us to snitch on each other and that didn't work i had a cellmate uh who i felt bad for he had come because like at least i lived in baltimore so like dc is not that far so like in theory if i have to catch a bus or something to get home i'll figure it out but he had come from like halfway across the country uh and had come with friends and he wasn't sure if they were arrested too uh he didn't have his phone we they took all our phones so we like couldn't communicate anything i texted gina when i got uh, so when, while we were surrounded and she never got that text message which is interesting um wow. but she didn't know where i was and was freaking out and calling all the jails and hospitals to see if i was dead or arrested and none of them none of them knew it took her quite some time to find me her and a friend of mine finally figured out what had happened but we spent the night in jail with no blankets or mattresses or anything you sleep on a steel slab which is fun uh, there were roaches, which was also fun. We got food. Uh, we got a really shitty bologna sandwich and Kool-Aid. But a lot of people didn't. Um, they were, in, throughout the whole experience, they didn't get fed at all. they so like 24 hours without food or water. They took us from the little local lockup to Central Booking. And we spent... I think we spent the that's the thing too there's no windows so it, it's kind of hard to tell like what time it is this whole time but i think we spent the night there and then early in the morning they took us to the courthouse and when we get to the courthouse they put us in shackles wonderful uh sha- hand and wrist uh hand and feet shackles wow uh for the entire time that we were there i guess they're just really worried that we'll do something And there was a couple of times where we were like in a cell with a few people and didn't have them on. Uh, But for the most part, we were tackled. And while in your cell? Yeah. Uh, And we like still didn't know what we were being charged with. Um, They still wouldn't tell us. Like they, we like heard whisperings from like, I don't know if they're like corrections guys or if they're just like uh, DC police or whatever of felonies. And then when you get to the courthouse, the courthouses in DC are run by the uh, US Marshals. Um, and those guys were real dicks. Uh, someone called a guy a CEO at one point and the guy got, got real mad about it. Um, thinking, I guess that's just such a shameful thing to be, but yeah, no one would tell us what we were charged with. And then at one point there was basically, they had to separate us into groups and then each group got to go into this room. It's like, really like a long hallway with uh uh you've you've seen in everybody's seen in movies where you can like talk to like a visitor right uh through a thing. It was those, but it was lawyers on the other side for us. And so they okay. had to like DMV this process because there were so many of us. They had to like uh I don't remember if they gave us numbers or I don't remember how they organized it exactly, but you had to yes. wait your turn to talk to a lawyer and that was your public defender. So they had to like, part of why we were in there so long, they had to like summon, there were so many of us, they had to get extra lawyers to do this process. And they weren't even totally sure what we were being charged with. At least when I spoke to them, they weren't super sure. They they knew that it was serious, but they, they were like, we actually haven't seen uh, the full document. How so is that
0: possible? How, yeah. how, why were the it's, lawyers allowing that? I mean, isn't there... I
1: don't know. Well, we'll we'll get to more of why are they allowing it in a little bit. Okay. So uh we finally go before the judge and the judge says we're being charged at the time I was only being charged with felony riot. And like just the one count and we're being released on our own recognizance, so like no bail or anything. We get to go home. And he gave us a court date uh to come back. And uh my now wife uh picked me up. With my friend we went to hell home and we had to drive home during the women's march which really sucked that shit had the whole city shut down yeah um, and uh vermin supreme was directing traffic shout out to vermin supreme thank you for <laughs> helping me get home faster and then you know some time goes by and i we get a thing i think i just got it in the mail i got my indictment in the mail and like my lawyer called me to tell me that it was on its way and I was being charged with I think like eight felonies and a bunch of misdemeanors. Yeah, yeah so like a bunch like individual charges of felony, property destruction, felony rioting, conspiracy to riot, felony assaulting an office, like just everything. And like, uh, part of the theory here is that if you charge, the whole point of charging conspiracy is that if you charge someone with conspiracy, they are then Guilty for everything that happened in relation to that conspiracy. So, even if I didn't assault an officer, someone did, and I conspired to do the riot allegedly. So I allegedly assaulted the officer by by doing this.
0: Wow, uh,
1: which is bonkers. um But that's how conspiracy works. They do this to people all the time. Um, if you like you if you have conspiracy to um, like traffic narcotics or something and someone gets killed in that process you could go to jail for murder uh, even if you had nothing to do with killing that person um, yeah, yeah so that's fun and they kept our phones they still have mine actually um, seemingly to me anyway the privingly the primary evidence against the vast majority of us was there are things in your phone that say that you know other people who got arrested and uh you were there and that's it like that's that's the conspiracy is to be there now none of these things in these phones said anything about like yeah we're gonna do a riot yeah we're gonna hurt a cop like nobody no no one was doing that and in the meetings planning meetings uh that is not what people said so i don't know how that constitutes a conspiracy maybe we're just maybe we were real good at it maybe we were very sneaky um but uh, they broke into people's phones, uh, which is sketch. People had encrypted phones, and apparently they sent them off to some company that can crack into them anyway, which is fun. seems so like a have... lot
0: of effort for what actually happened.
1: Yeah. Well, and there were things in the indictment that like we couldn't have done, but because of the conspiracy thing, we were supposedly uh, responsible for. So like there's famous photos from that day of the uh, limousine being set on fire someone burned a limo and a spray-painted weed of people on the side which we were I was already like in a cell by the time that happened wow Uh, but it's in my indictment paperwork as a thing that we did wow Um, yeah basically I spend the next year uh in and out of court um just doing these like stupid like I don't even know what the point of these things are we would go and like Uh, try and argue some sort of motions with the judge and the judge would be unhelpful and then we would leave. The whole thing was just incredibly infuriating. So like, for example, this didn't happen to me, fortunately. I, um, for the most part throughout this whole experience, did not catch the brunt of a lot of the bullshit. But I knew people who, um, the prosecutor sat them down and basically said, you're fucked. Uh, We have evidence that you did all the crimes, you're definitely 1,000,000% going to prison unless you take a plea deal. And I'm not gonna show you the evidence that I'm saying that I have. Uh, wait, you don't actually, you don't do get that? to see that yet. Yeah, they can do that. So they can force okay, you to make wait, a decision I'm... on a plea deal before you've seen the evidence against you. And they're what? not obligated to reoffer you that plea deal later. So like I never actually saw the evidence against me. Um, supposedly there was a way to like go online and look at your own discovery. I never actually managed to get that to fucking work, um, and neither did my lawyer. Yeah. So so people were being threatened by prosecutors before they saw the evidence that was supposedly collected, and some of them were threatened after they had seen the evidence, and they were like the so uh, it's a thing. Anarchists like to do uh, called a black block. So every this is pre-COVID and everybody was wearing masks um, because I don't know about you, but I don't want to be filmed at a protest, uh, especially because Trump supporters are violent psychopaths a lot of the time. So I just like people didn't want to have their faces out there and it was cold. I think that's totally reasonable. Um, And. There were people who were like, yeah, that's not me. Like the thing that the prosecutor has as evidence against me, not me. But they're still threatening you because they think it's you and they think they have you or they they don't realize that you know that they're full of shit or whatever. Um, So fortunately, I did not experience most of that. Um, But the first group went to trial, I think, around the one year anniversary of the whole thing. And was not guilty on all counts. Uh, jury found them not guilty of literally everything.
0: Wow. And
1: within a few days, the charges were dropped against the rest of us.
0: Wow. Uh,
1: I think the only people who actually were ended up, quote unquote, guilty were um, a couple people who took plea deals uh, for whatever reason. I don't, uh, I don't pretend to know why. Um, but yeah, they, they took plea deals and actually i think some of them spent spent some time in prison for it but yeah it was insane and it was the whole time uh we would like ask the judge like hey uh the prosecutor is threatening me and telling me i'm going to prison but i haven't seen my evidence yet can you like tell her to not do that and the judge would be like well she's allowed and i guess that's true yeah she they're allowed um and that's crazy that you can be forced into a plea bargaining situation without actually reviewing the evidence first, um, without having any idea where you stand, uh, if you should go to trial. Um, But part of what's enlightening about the experience is that that's normal for a lot of people. A lot of people who get arrested have similar experiences, and we don't hear about it because it's not like a high-profile political case, but this one was so it like made some some publicity but like this happens all the time people are are forced into bad plea deals because they think they're screwed or because they're told that the judge will be lighter on them um and they go to prison for things that they maybe didn't do or they didn't do the full list of charges or whatever it might be um because they're intimidated uh it's a huge part of the process it's scaring you into saying you did things
0: and on top of that, I think I remember you saying when I first heard the story that um, several prisoners were sexually assaulted by police, correct?
1: Uh, yeah, There's, I believe there's currently a lawsuit about that still happening. I don't want to say a whole lot about it, but yeah, there were people who said that they were forcibly uh, searched in ways that uh, seems extreme and seems like assault to me. yeah there's a a lawsuit currently i believe
0: and was there more to the story with the prosecutor wasn't she pretty dirty in the way that she was going after you guys like additionally to what you've mentioned
1: uh yeah so part of part of the whole thing was that uh i mentioned that the um footage of the uh, uh planning meetings was a thing uh, they tried to use that as evidence and they presented it to the, jur- to the jury as if it was unedited. Um, they claimed that this footage had not been edited and it had. Um, they, did, I believe they did that twice. They they claimed that the footage was unedited and it was. And there's no consequences for that as far as I can tell. Um, no one got in trouble for that. No one was really held accountable as far as I can tell, which is real shitty. And one the, And the guys who acquired that footage and probably edited it are fascists like they're they're the far right um so you know to me it kind of sounds like the prosecutor is coordinating with the far right to imprison a bunch of leftists on bullshit charges that's that's what it sounds like i don't know if that's actually what happened but that's what it sounds like to me
0: so as a child of a police officer How do you reconcile having this kind of ideology and the experience you've had with the justice system? How do you balance
1: that? Um, I was worried I was gonna run into someone who like knew my dad, who would recognize my last name. Mm. I was concerned about that, just having to deal with the social uncomfortability of that. Oh, by the way, uh, people at the courthouse who worked at the courthouse uh, asked us if George Soros paid us to be there. So that's cool. That's that's nice. Um yeah, that was a real thing that happened. Uh they asked us how like how much money did we get. Yeah. So that's fun. Um Wow. Yeah, they were not wow. Uh uh, I mean it reconciles pretty easily, actually. I mean, my my dad was a police officer, but like I don't think he liked it very much most of the time. Uh and well that's the thing. So like when we uh when well, well i don't know if i want to speak for all anarchists when i when i criticize the police part of where i'm coming from is that i don't think people should be police because i don't want them to have to be police that's sucks. Right. like you shouldn't have to be in that position i don't think that that's healthy for you either um i think it's bad for the victims of police violence i think it's way worse for them but i don't think it's very good for the police themselves either um suicide rates are higher than that of the rest of the population. There's lots of problems with being a police officer in terms of mental health uh, and your well-being. And and I don't wish that on them. I genuinely don't. I mean, I think I correctly recognize that they are not our friends, um, but I also think that they're still people, uh, and I don't want them to have to do that job for their sake. Also, uh, I don't think that. They should have to wake up every day and wear a gun to work and think about whether they're going to have to kill someone or get shot at. I don't think that's a healthy way to live your life. I mean, that's part of how I reconcile it, but it's also just, um, I don't think maybe part of my overall ethos is that I'm just like obsessively critical of authority and like maybe having The upbringing that i had is a huge part of that almost certainly it's part of it but like i think having authority is unhealthy for the people who have it and the people who they have it over um generally it's not always the case but i think for the most part it's not a good way for people to live uh we don't have kings anymore for a reason Uh um or at least most of us don't uh we don't have emperors anymore. You know, the next logical step to me is to not have presidents or senators or whatever anymore. It's, it's, I don't think human beings are meant to be ruled. I don't think that's right. I think people mistake anarchism for chaos, and it's actually the opposite. If you ever go to a meeting, let me tell you, it is the most <laughs> noxiously organized thing you will ever experience in your entire life. Um, But it's not rules we have a problem with, it's rulers. Mm. Uh, Most of us have rules. Uh, All the meetings that I've been to have rules about how to conduct yourself, have rules about who talks when, have rules about uh, how we decide what the agenda is. Uh, It's actually pretty regimented, but no one there is in charge. And that's the difference. The difference is that no one there has the authority to tell anyone what to think or do. And I think that that's a healthier way to live. It can be frustrating and annoying because we're so used to having someone tell us what to do Mm. that once there isn't anyone just telling you what to do, it's kind of, it's, it's like a re it's like a reframing of your entire way of thinking in a way that messes with people, I think. Yeah. Um, But I think it is ultimately better for us. It forces us to think about our relationships with other people. Uh, It forces us to think about how much power we have over other individuals. I mean, like, I'm a white dude. I have a certain amount of social clout over uh, people of color and women and trans people that other people don't. And I, like, I think it would be irresponsible of me to not at least think about that. I'm not saying I, like, sit around and feel guilty about it. That's also not productive. But I think about it and do what little I can to change that. Because I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. Like I, uh, if people call me sir, I get like really annoyed and deeply uncomfortable about it because I don't like it. Like I don't want to be sir. I'm just I'm just a guy, just uh, just here to do the same things that you are most of the time. Just live and raise a family, try and be safe and happy. Like I'm not in charge of anything, Uh, and I don't think anybody should be.
0: Well, I actually think that's a really good way to end the interview. I was gonna ask you another question, but I feel like he just <laughs> summed it all perfectly. Fanny, I can't tell you enough how grateful I am that you came on the podcast. And I've learned so much from you. And I think our listeners are gonna learn a lot. And I don't know how I'm going to possibly edit this for one more episode. I wish I'd made it for. <laughs> uh
1: we'll we'll make it work, I think yeah well, I'm, we'll glad, it- I'm glad i was here i'm really glad that i could talk frankly about these things uh i'm an anarchist who thinks that drugs are cool and good and i'm not crazy um
0: At least uh, not, not too crazy yeah crazy.
1: not like uh dangerously yeah. crazy. well maybe a little, but but i'm not here to like um to like come uh kill all your white women or yeah force all your children to be trans or anything like that yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to be cool I'm just trying, just trying to have everybody be happy and nice to each other um, and take care of my family and make sure they do the same thing
0: right well thank you so much and um, I look forward to seeing you face to face eventually one day
1: <laughs> yeah when the bad times end hopefully
0: yeah when the bad times end and um, I'll pop to you soon sure thank you to learn more about this guest or podcast, please follow us at Definitely Human Podcast on Instagram. Have a great week.